can once again welcome to Church in the Valley. We're going to dig in this morning looking at the, uh, the legendary team. We've been spending the last few weeks uh, talking about what those characteristics are of a legendary team that, that God brings together. And we're going to look at each of those characteristics again as a review and then look at how do we be good teammates to each other as we're a part of this legendary team. Uh, last week, we talked about a legendary team is like a high-performing team that accomplishes the tasks and the goals before them. They do so with efficiency. They work together with the people around them. And a lot of times we look in business and we, we see these teams in action, these high-performance, high-skill teams. A lot of times in business, these teams are, are small they're based on the intelligence that people have, the skills that people have. Well, legendary teams are actually throughout Scripture as well. And you find as people are committed to him and really decide to do things his way, God brings people together to accomplish great things. So instead of thinking as the business model of a small, highly skilled team, really what God does, he brings people that are fully committed to him. And he wants us to work together to include people in to this team. And so let's dig in. Uh, what we're going to do is look at each characteristic and then talk about how do we apply these characteristics into the way that we, we work. Uh, each of us leave here every Sunday and we go to some sort of a job and we have tasks and responsibilities that we have to do. We're also going to look at how does having the characteristics of, of a legendary team also apply in the way that we relate to each other. I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, we come And we hear a message and we think, wow, that was really helpful. And then we leave and there's just a part of us that thinks, well, how do I take what I'm listening, taking what I hear and actually applying it to my life? So we're going to look at how can we do things and really be a part of this legendary team, not only in church life, but in the other arenas of your life as well. If you have a listening guide, I encourage you to take that out. Uh, You can follow along if you want. There's pens in front of you. Or if you just want to listen, you can do that as well. So let's go ahead and dig in. The characteristics of a legendary team, the first characteristic is this is a team that's cohesive. And Randy spent some time talking about that. Cohesive basically is a team that sticks together tightly. These people stick together tightly and they work as a team. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This scripture is really talking about the value of community. This is the value of relationships. It's the fact that by ourselves, our work can only go so far. But as we commit to people and as we experience life and there's people around us that are committed to us and we're committed to them, what you find is is there's a good return for the labor. Things can be accomplished that can't be accomplished by yourself. Little side story. I uh, I used this scripture as I asked my my wife to be my girlfriend way back in the day. You know, and, and what I was what I was trying to do, not only to, to win the girlfriend, but also to paint the picture of part of even marriage. And as we're in families and as we're in, we're friends, we we are committing to each other. that I want to be a teammate with you. And one of the things my wife and I, Samantha, are committed to is being teammates. And this is what the scripture is talking about. The idea of, you know, if you fall down and you're by yourself, you've got to get up by yourself. If life hits you hard and you have no one around you, you've got to somehow survive that. 
Well, what God does through the legendary team is he brings people together. He provides you help. And at CIV, we want to be those people for each other and for the people that come in that we actually stick together tightly. That's what cohesiveness is. Uh, in your part of that, there's some characteristics of, of a godly cohesion. That's not in your your listening outline, but I'm going to walk through those briefly. Uh, first characteristic is, is loyalty. A scripture, if you want to look that up later, is Proverbs 18:24. Uh, teams that are committed to each other, that are highly successful and accomplish the tasks before them, they're loyal. They see the people around them as being people they need to really go to bat for, to defend, to stand up for. That's right. Part of being cohesive is we're loyal to each other. Uh, second characteristic is we trust one another. One of the things in church life that we need to spend time doing is getting to know people. Who, who are they? And you begin building trust as you, you take small risks at a time. And part of this, being a part of the legendary team, is risk is involved. As we move to, to connect with people, what we find is there's not, never an opportunity where we can play it completely safe. So part of what we need to do is build trust based on a common value and a common goal that we have together in church life. Uh, also, we need to, a scripture for uh, trust is Proverbs 14, 15, if you want to look that up later. Third characteristic is we need to think the best of each other. It's kind of like you ever go into the fridge and you pick up the milk carton and you go to port and there's like nothing left. You immediately assume, why would that person take the milk and just put it back in the fridge? I don't think I've ever thought that because I think I do that. Okay? But part of thinking the best is not just assuming that person did that on purpose to destroy your day. Many things could happen. There was milk and it evaporated and they just didn't know. Okay? Well, it's not a blind trust, but it's really this idea of what we, what we tend to do is we, we tend to just think the worst of people natively. They did that to get me. They did that to destroy what I was going to do. They wanted that for themselves. What you find is cohesion, instead of jumping automatically to the worst that this person is thinking or the worst that they're doing, and now they're out to get you, you realize you, you think the best. You give them the benefit of the doubt. That really builds trust and loyalty as well. And then the, uh, the, the last characteristic of cohesion is helping one another. Loyalty, trust... Thinking the best, these are a lot of times things that happen within us. We decide to believe a certain way about somebody, and this affects our behavior. Part of the behavior is we actually help each other. One of the ways God unites us is as we extend time, and we give up our time, we give up our resources for people, what you really find is your relationship goes to a new level. You ever experience someone that helps you, and after they've done helping you, you think, wow, that person really cares about me. That's cohesion at work. As people sacrifice for you and as you sacrifice for people and for others that God's placed in your life, you find that you actually grow closer. And that's what he wants to do in church life and in your relationships as well. Uh, how this works out practically in your life and your relationships, one of the ways you can build cohesion is don't write people off. If somebody... You know, does something and it just irritated you. They said something. They did something. They took all the milk out of the fridge. You decide that you're not just going to sever the ties with that person. God relates to us in a very gracious way. Despite what we do, he loves us 
And he models this idea of being gracious. And the only way that we can stay cohesive in our relationships with each other is if, you know, we cut people slack. There's lots of things that happen in our lives that cause us to do things. A big thing is we all sin and we want to get our own way. And we realize that and we have to cut people slack even when we, we want to get our own way in the midst of that. Uh, in your work, one of the ways you can be uh, cohesive is be a team player. Um, don't, don't drag your feet. One of, a great question to ask is that as you're at work and the responsibilities are before you, think, how can I, how can I help the people that are around me? How can I help my boss accomplish what he wants to accomplish? How can I have my leader how can I help them accomplish what they want to accomplish? These are the kind of questions that allow us to, to be a part of the team and not just kind of off by ourselves, just wanting to do things our own way. A uh, second characteristic is we, we need to be proactive. Proactiveness is very important if, we, if we're going to grow as a church. It's also very important in our own lives. Our relationships flourish as we're proactive with each other, not just reactive. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, kind of explains how God tells time. We tell time by the watch. How long is Alex going to speak? I'm just going to get that out there. We've all thought that. I've thought that myself. And we, we tell time by that. But what God tells time is from opportunity to opportunity. You know, God doesn't have a watch on. He just wires things together. This person here, this task here, and it, it's all an opportunity that we have. So that's how God tells time. Ephesians 5 describes this. It says, be very, very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's two approaches to life. There's the proactive way, which is we don't react to the circumstances around us, but rather we we look for things that may haven't even happened yet that, that could happen. Proactiveness really is acting in anticipation of future problems, needs, or changes. Underlying future, part of the thing with being proactive is you have to deal in things that you may not know is going to happen yet. But, but you're ready. You set up your life in a way where you can actually help people because you have time to help them. Part of it being proactive is how we schedule our time. If we're completely busy all the time, does life really fit into just our schedule? No, things happen and we have to decide, how, how can I be proactive in this situation? Uh, in our relationships, this practically plays out for me in, in ways like this. There's a great thing called a dishwasher. Okay? You load in your dishes and it gets full and you turn it on. The problem I have with the dishwasher is it doesn't empty itself. Okay? When they invent that, I will buy it. But right now, it turns on, it turns off. Someone has to empty the dishes. And there's this little thing that comes, comes into my head. And my wife's here, and she may know this, but if not, it's confession time. This is dangerous. Um, turn the CD off. No. Um, what always happens is there's a point in which chores happen where I have to make the decision. Am I going to empty the dishwasher or am I going to wait for Samantha to do it? Or if Katie, my two-year-old, somehow learns how, will I let her do it? There's always that point in who will do it before I have to. 
Well, that's not being proactive. See, a lot of times in life, no one's doing it, no one's doing it, and then people get frustrated, and you're like, okay, I'll do it. We can't eat off the floor anymore. So all these circumstances happen, and we react to the situation. Well, what God does, he actually wants us to not be reactive, but look at the opportunities. I have an opportunity to serve, empty the dishwasher. It really makes life better for the people around me. That's how we have to start looking at in our relationships. What can you do that can help those around you? At work, look for, look for ways that once you've, you've accomplished all the things that you're supposed to do, whether that's part of your job description, whether that's a task, uh, all the lists that you have to do, one of the things that's wired in us is we want to do what we, we have to do, and then we want time for ourselves. So at work, we, we get everything done, and we're like, you know what? I can surf the web for 30 minutes before I have to go home. That's a beautiful thing. What you find is being proactive is once you've done what you've been asked to do, what else can you do? That doesn't even sound American, does it? But I've done all I was asked. Was there things that you could do that you've not been asked to do? That's being part of proactive in your work. What are some things that could make the job and the life of others around you better if you actually thought about ways you can extend what you do. That's part of how this legendary team works together, being proactive. A third characteristic, the legendary team is, is sharp. Sharp is an alert competence and clear understanding shown in a resourceful, enthusiastic way. Circle enthusiastic. One of the things that we have a choice to make is when we're sharp, sharp means doing things in an excellent way. You're not just going to accomplish something, but you're going to do it to the best of your ability. It's not perfection. But if you can do something, if you work really hard and it's, it's as good as this is, you, you don't settle for anything less than that. Well, enthusiastic means you're not just going to do it and, and just be Eeyore. You guys ever seen Winnie the Pooh? You know Eeyore? I'll go get the honey. And he's just trudging along. Well, a lot of times we want to be part of the legendary team, but we want to be Eeyore as well. Problem with Eeyore is that it's kind of like you, you want to find somebody that will come alongside you and actually wants to come alongside you. We've been given a lot of things to do as a church and in our personal lives and our work. And part of how we do things in a sharp way is that we're enthusiastic about it. Now, it doesn't mean I will do what you've asked me to do. And, and you're excited and, and, you know, you're a cheerleader at work. We don't want to freak people out, okay? But what it means is you don't drag your feet. You look for the opportunities, and you do it to the best of your ability. Uh, in, in, your, in your relationship, a part of being sharp is realizing that what you say and what you do actually counts. There's part of us, especially myself, it's like, couldn't you just pull out the freebie card and then says, you know what I just said? That never happened. And somehow it gets erased. But you, what you find is this isn't Hollywood. You can't do that. Real life is what you say and what you do, people actually hear and people actually see. And they form an opinion not only about you, but as a follower of Christ, they form an opinion about God. It's part of being sharp. It's everything I say and everything I do really does count. And if I mess up, which we will, we decide we're going to make it right. We're going to clear that up. That's very important to the heart of God. Not that there's not ever problems, but when there are problems, 
we commit to handling that in an excellent way, which is, I messed up, will you forgive me for messing up? Whether that's by our speech or whether that's um, by, our, by our actions. Um, at work, part of the ways that we can be sharp is if you're a boss or a leader on a team, look to, to motivate and empower the people under you. People want to, to see the value in the things that they do. And if you're a follower, part of the way you can be sharp is be motivated without your boss having to do that. A lot of, a lot of things really please the heart of God when we, you know, God, no one's going to see me doing this, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability because you've gifted me and you've wired me together to accomplish this task, however big and however small that is. It's a really powerful thing. That's what being sharp is. The last characteristic is inclusive. We talked about this um, last week. What can tend to happen is, as we are, are cohesive, we stick together tightly, and as we're, we're proactive, we, we see things and we anticipate needs, and then as we're sharp and we do things excellent, what can tend to happen is we begin to think that, wow, we're just the greatest group ever. We have everything we need right here. What you find is, is that God provides the characteristics to be legendary so we can actually reach other people. We talked about the Marines. They're the few and they're the proud. But as the church, we, we don't have that luxury. Because our point is not to be a small, closed group, but rather a group with strong hearts and open arms. So it's really important that as we commit to behaving and acting in a certain way as a legendary team, we are always thinking, how can we include more people? Uh, in, your, in your relationships, it, it realizes that, you know, we all band together with some people. That's okay. Inclusive doesn't mean that you're friends with everyone. I tried that once my freshman year of college. I'm an extrovert, in case you couldn't tell. And I got to college, and it was like a smorgasbord of people. They're everywhere. And I made a decision. I will know everyone, and they will know me. Well, about two months into school, I realized I knew like probably 95% of the people's names. And if I didn't, I called them bro. But um, I got caught once. He said, you don't know my name. And I said, I, I don't. Sorry. Um, anyways, that was a little side, side story. Don't need to write that down. Um, but what, what happened is, is as I decided to get to know everyone, I didn't know anyone. And so inclusive doesn't mean that you... You make it your mission in life to be the friend to every single person and know everything about them and be completely close to them. But really, as you, you band together with people that are like you, as they share the same values, they share the same goals, your personalities mesh well together, you're heading in the same direction. As you band together with people, what you don't want to do is be like an inner circle that's completely closed off. And so what are some ways that you can include more people in your life? Are there neighbors that are around you that you can just make a choice to connect with them? You ever find those people in your life that they just want to talk to you? And there's that part of you you're like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to them. I have a neighbor that, you know, there's just times when I really don't want to talk to him. I get home from work and I've, I've got my watch on, again, because I tell time by the clock. 
And God provides an opportunity for me to actually connect and listen to my neighbor. And I'm thinking, man, is there another way I can get home? But what you find is, is that opportunity to connect with my neighbor may never come again. And so what we do as we're inclusive is we think, are there people around us that they just need somebody to listen to? Or somebody to listen to them? Are there needs that they have? How can I serve them? So what you find is, as we pray for those opportunities, God provides them. And we just need to buy those opportunities up. In your work, part of being inclusive is realizing that your success as an individual isn't necessarily the only thing to think about. Uh, Inclusiveness and cohesion tie together. But in your work, are you just by yourself deciding that you're just going to do it your own way because you know best? Or are you looking for for ways that you can actually include people in what you're doing? Uh, Being a team player again, it's very important. We don't want to go in with just, okay, I've got to do this. As soon as I do this, I'm going to get out and hopefully I won't have to talk to anybody. Now, the thing about the, the legendary team is that all of these four characteristics work together. Because what can start to happen is, you know, how was work today? It was great. I was inclusive for six hours. I just talked to everyone in my office. What would you get done? Nothing, but I was inclusive. What you find is, is that you can't be inclusive at the cost of the, ever go- of, of the other goals. So as you're inclusive, you're, you're also sharp. You're doing things in an excellent way. And as you're doing things in an excellent way, you're, you're sticking together tightly with the people around you. Now, one of the dangers with a legendary team is that we think that we are legendary. God is the one that brings us together. He is the one that models these characteristics for us. And we have the opportunity, as we spend time with him, as we read scripture, as we pray, as we get together with other people that challenge us, we have the opportunity to learn what it means to do things his way. These characteristics are not man-made. This is who God is. This is how he relates to us. So what we have to be careful is, is in thinking in the terms of legendary team that we think we are legendary. That's not for us to claim ourselves. We only hope to do things that please the heart of God. And as we do that, God does legendary things through us. And that's really our prayer at CIV. Uh, next section on your, your listening guide, ask the question, how can I be a good teammate? Okay, part of this is, it's a legendary team. Okay, a team. How, how do we work together as a team? How do we maintain unity? And how do we make sure we keep ourselves in check so we're not basically forming our own team? Isn't there a part of us that kind of, when things don't go our way, we just want to, I don't want to be on your team. I'll form my own. My daughter is almost two. And, you know, there's just that, that part of a two-year-old that you, you, you kind of relate to. As adults, we don't let it out much, but it's still there. You know, she has a, she has a bear. And, hey, Katie, let's clean up. And you think that's a great idea. You know, you're going to include her in the mess that she made. And she has the choice, okay, I'm going to decide to do this, be a team player, or I'm not. And part of training is 
you, you correct them to show the value of working together with people and to do what you're told. But, you know, she just, no. She grabs her bear and she heads off. And you're thinking, wait a second. You can't go. But it's like, I'm going to take my bear and I'm going to go home. And that's kind of what happens with us is things don't really go our way. We have to extend ourselves. We don't want to extend ourselves. We have to give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But what you find is, is that there's really some ways that we can maintain the right attitude, the right perspective, so we can be good teammates together. Uh, first thing is be faithful and work hard. Each one of us has been given certain things that we are supposed to be faithful over. Responsibilities, uh, jobs, relationships, we're parents, we're kids, we're friends. All those have certain responsibilities to them, certain things that we're supposed to do. So be faithful and work hard. Ephesians 6, 7, this has been a, a verse that's really helped me in life. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. A lot of times we work hard if somebody is watching us intently. Well, I better do this right because they're going to check. What you find is God is always watching what we do. He doesn't miss anything. That really should challenge the perspective. Because if he sees everything and he's the really the one that we want to please as followers of Christ, once we make him the boss of our lives, then we really handle everything that we've been given with faithfulness. We want to accomplish it to please him wholeheartedly. Everything in us, we want to do it well and work hard. Proverbs 14:23 All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Just the way the world works. If you work hard, things will get accomplished because of that. If you if you work hard at your job, you can get promoted. You can earn the trust of your boss, of people that you work with. It's very valuable. What starts to happen is we have that choice. Am I going to work hard because it's, it's right? Or am I just going to kind of check out for a little period of time? We want to approach life sometimes like we're, you know, we're clocking in and we're clocking out. What you find is there's never a time in life in which we, we're really off the clock. And everything we do really does count. God wants us to be faithful and work hard. Part of something that's helped me along the way is to pay careful attention to a couple things in my life. First thing is my attitude and the way I view authority. What you find is God wants to build wisdom into our lives. Wisdom is very important in Scripture, and wisdom is basically doing, thing God, doing things God's way. And what God has done in Scripture, he's given us very specific things for how life works. And... The pipeline of wisdom, basically, how wisdom gets in our lives is it, it, it works through different things. Uh, one of the major things is our attitude. The attitude that we need to have to be a good teammate is we need to start with the fear of the Lord. We don't do things in church life to please each other or to get us out of, in tru- out of trouble with, with people around us. We do it because we fear the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. 
Fear of the Lord means to, to aggressively find out what is important to God. And you do that by, you dig into Scripture. And you look at the outcome of people who walk with God and you see what's important to them. And as you, you see these things that are important to God, you decide, okay, if that's important to God, is that important to me? And fear of the Lord is starting to make that shift. If it's important to God, it's important to me. Uh, we talked about that thing that's wired in us, that, that self-promotion. We want to be praised and we want to, to be uh, recognized by people. What that is, is that's, that's really pride. Part of fear of the Lord is you find in Scripture that God despises pride. In fact, Scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One thing Randy has talked about and Harold Bullock, the pastor of Hope Church, is this idea of opposing the proud. It's basically like God is in a four-point stance on, at the line of scrimmage in football. And when you're prideful, you're on the other side. And in your pride, you're thinking, I'm going to do what I want. And God says, I, I oppose that. So what you have to start to choose is, okay, if, if humility is the opposite of pride, and humility is what God values, fear of the Lord is making choices in life that reflect the value structure you find in Scripture. It's really taking God seriously at his word and doing life his way. Uh, Proverbs 16:20. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Fear of the Lord is built on the foundation that God is not going to rip me off. If if God says He's going to take care of me in this specific way as I trust Him, I believe Him. If He despises the proud. I believe him. And it's basically determining, you know, God, you know how life works a lot better than I do. So I'm going to take you at your word, not expect you to understand why I do the things that I do as I go off track. God also works through the view of our view of authority. So our attitude in life, the way that we view things, if we just trust in ourselves and fear man, what you find is life. Life is not a joy. We've become people who base what we do on how people view us. We need to base things on how God views us. That's how our attitude shapes. Now, it also works in our authority. Uh, Every one of us is under authority in one situation or another. In some situations in life, we're, we're bosses, we're leaders. Other situations, we're followers. Well, Scripture encourages us that we need to use our position to serve. Use our position to, to serve. So we start with the fear of the Lord in our attitude, and in authority we use our position to serve. Matthew twenty twenty six through 27. This kind of shows the heart of man. The disciples, they're early followers of Jesus Christ, decide, you know, God, you gave Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. They saw him on earth, and they said, I'll, I'll follow you. Well, as they were following him, the conversation came came up when they're trying to decide who's going to be like the most important among us. You know, these are the people that, that were really tight with Jesus. They banded with him. And what they thought was, so am I going to get to sit like on the right hand of him in heaven? And they just wanted to know what, what place am I going to have? And Jesus knew their hearts and he, he addressed them with this. He says, not so with you. He's talking about 
the governing authorities, how the authorities at the time were lording power over them. Uh, in the early church, and even what we find today is authority in the world, they tend to just use power as a means to, to get what they want. And Jesus describes an upside-down view of leadership. And he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. This idea of that greatness comes as you decide you're not going to be great. You're actually going to serve people. So leaders, one of the things leaders need to do is make it part of their, their purpose in life is to serve those that are under them. Now followers, there's instructions as well. Romans 13.1 says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. There's a part of us, no matter what we do, and whatever job we have, there's just a part of us that, you know, my boss is really a turkey. I said that in the first service, and people were like, So I told them to erase the CD so he couldn't, no. But really, there's this thing in us that it's not about the authority. It's about us. And as followers, there's just a thing in us that they really don't know what they're doing. What Scripture's saying is God is in control of who your boss is. Any boss you've ever had, God put them there. And so when we, we question our boss or we question, you know, they don't really know what they're doing. What we're doing is we're actually telling God that he kind of was checking out when he made that decision. God doesn't check out. God knows exactly who the bosses should be and when they should be bosses. He raises them up and he removes people out of leadership. God wires that all together. He says, Romans 13, 1. Did I read that? Okay. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So much of our progress is really determined by how we handle our attitude and how we handle authority. Um, the, the, the last step to take to be a good teammate, and this is really in the essence of a team, is refuse to live in isolation. First uh, Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has given you certain abilities. He's given you your personality, your skills, your talents. And there's just times we wish we could be like someone else. Or we just wish we weren't who we were. Why am I like this? Why do I do this? And we get frustrated. Well, God has wired you the exactly way you are so you can not isolate yourself, but you can actually work together with the people around you. So it's saying, as he has wired you, as each gift he's given you, he's done that so you can serve others. God has not made you to live in isolation. God has not made you to be withdrawn from the church that he's brought together, from the community in which you live, from your family, from society. 
He really wants your life to happen in the context of community. What we need to do is we need to be thankful for the way that we're wired, for our gifts, for our talents. Look for ways that we need to grow, but ultimately use what we have been given to serve others. This verse explains why. It says, because we faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. As you help somebody, as you love them, as you encourage them, as you challenge them, what you are doing is administering the grace of God through what you do. That's why what we do counts. That, that's why what we say really does matter. Because we are extending the grace of God. We talked earlier about as, as you help people and as, as, you, uh, as they help you, your relationship goes to the next level. Well, part of it is, is God is wiring you together. God is making you more unified. And that's really what he wants to do in this congregation. And that's really what he wants to do in the world. As he works through the church, he wants us to refuse to live in isolation and commit to each other as we try to embed these characteristics. Uh, there's a few next steps on your, your listening guide, and there's also next steps on your connection card. One of the ways you can communicate is if you have a next step that you'd like to take related to any of the messages that we have, we, we look at that and we want to pray for you as you do those next steps. The reason for next steps is a lot of times we, we listen to a message and we're challenged by it. What happens, we leave and we, we kind of forget, well, what does this mean for my life? So let me walk through those next steps and encourage you, if there's one of those things that you can take to, to, to allow God to grow you in a certain area, I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, some of the next steps, I will work hard and reject passivity. That's part of being proactive. Um, I will memorize Ephesians 6, 6 through 7. I will pray for an opportunity to serve someone this week. As you pray for an opportunity to serve, it's amazing how God does provide that. Now remember, it may not be on your lunch break. It may not be in the most convenient time. But if you pray for the opportunity, God will provide it. And last... I'll read through Acts to see a legendary team in action. I explained earlier that this legendary team is not a business model that we brought into the church. It really is people that are already in Scripture, and you see them embed these characteristics. In the book of Acts, this is where the early church got started, and really the spread of Christianity happened. That was a legendary team in action. And these, these, these people that God brought together decided, no, I'm going to take you, Completely serious, God, and I'm going to commit my whole life to you. And what you find is, is as they did that, God worked. Randy's going to be starting a series next week called The Adventure Continues, and it's actually going to look into the book of Acts and how can we take what they did as the early church and really apply that to us today. So I encourage you to do that. That will also prepare you for the next message series. Let's go ahead and pray together. God, thanks for... The fact that you are a legendary God. There is no one like you. There is no person or entity or God that can compare to you. You are the one true God. You are the beginning and the end. You know everything and you you bring everything together. 
Thank you for being the God that's in control of the universe and at the same time, the God who cares about the details of our lives. Help us to look, God, at certain characteristics in our lives that we're haphazard on, that we've kind of just been loose about. Help us to tighten the grip on our responsibilities, handle our relationships in the right way, and ultimately honor you through what we do. And God, as a church, we want to please your heart. And I ask, God, that we will commit to doing that in every decision and everything that we do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.